Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 693 with Michael Sorensen. Michael shares a superpower to enhance your relationships that has really changed the way I think about conversations, and I think it will do the same for you. So you'll learn, one, how to improve conversations with the four-step validation method, two, how we unintentionally invalidate others, and three, how to move past the discomfort of emotional conversations. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we mentioned here, it's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP693. And if you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, I recommend you check out some of our cool stuff, such as the Gold Nugget email summaries, which give you a two-minute write-up of Michael's wisdom in an email that comes right to your inbox when each new guest episode releases, as well as unlocking the whole vault of all 693 of these such summaries. We call those the gold nuggets at awesomeatyourjob.com. So that's the story with the gold nuggets. And the story with Michael Sorensen is that he's a marketing executive by day and a best-selling author, speaker, and relationship coach by night. I so loved his book, I Hear You, and I've been thinking about the principles he shares about validation, boy, just about every day or at least every week in terms of how I have my own conversations. He has shared this with many impressive clients, including the United States Navy. Big thanks to Michael for sharing his wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. Now, here's Michael. Michael, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to get your wisdom on validation and the good stuff from your book. I hear you, the surprisingly simple skill behind extraordinary relationships. But uh, first I need to hear, you made your own mattress. What is the story? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I wonder when that would come up. (laughs) It asks, you know, your intro or your intake sheet asks for something kind of unique. And I started thinking, well, what do I not talk to many people about? It's that. It's something I'm a little bit embarrassed and a little bit proud of. I, I, mm-hmm. I've i got a bad back, oh. and uh, I set out a few years ago to find the perfect mattress to try to make that back pain go away. And you know that was when Casper and some of these other direct-to-consumer companies were coming online, and they've got free return policies. So I thought, why not? Uh, how can it hurt to order? So I ordered that. It killed my back. I ordered the next one. That still hurt. And I actually ordered seven mattresses <laughs> and returned them or donated them before I actually sourced my own foam and cut it up and found a cover for it and all of that just to try to find a mattress that would work best for my body. And the irony is I ended up finding one that actually works and I tossed my homemade one, but (sighs) you know, (laughs) it's still fun to build things. Well, now I got to know what was the difference? What did your homemade version and your final version have? The others did not. This is incredibly nerdy. I would take a picture of myself laying down with my shirt off so I could see my spine alignment. Okay. And all of them had my hips sagging lower than my shoulders because I had, you know, my shoulders were propping me up, but my hips were down. And so it was creating this curve. And so I actually got different density in the foam okay. for each section. And so my shoulders had a lighter foam and my hips had a heavier foam to try to get that optimal spine alignment. Oh, that's good. And someone made one with that in mind. Oh, they actually didn't even have that. I just lucked out. Oh, okay. It's the Brooklyn bedding. They don't even make that one anymore, but it's just a latex mattress. But it was my final, it was probably my eighth mattress, actually. <laughs> and I uh, mm-hmm. slept on it for a few days, few weeks, few months, and I'm still loving it today. So I'm not paid to promote That's it, though good. I probably should be. Well, I'm impressed with just the sheer 
force and persistence <laughs> that you rocked in arriving at this. And likewise, you've got something that you call a superpower validation. Tell us, what do you mean by validation? What's it do for us and why is it a superpower? Yes, absolutely. I find, especially in the workplace, since this is largely a podcast about the workplace, we place a lot of focus on the the value of listening, right? Being a good listener. And we talk about how important that is. And I think we all kind of nod our heads and we say, yeah, I could do better at listening. But really, the main premise of my book and the main thing that we're going to talk about here today is that the truly good listeners of the world actually do more than just listen. They listen, seek to understand, and then validate. Mm -hmm. And that validation, that's kind of the secret sauce. That's what, like you mentioned, that I call a superpower because so many people are craving that. And validation is essentially just telling someone, hey, I understand how you're feeling and you're not crazy for feeling that way. You know, that's really the essence of it. And it sounds so simple. It is simple. But I'm telling you, Pete, it makes all the difference in the world because most of us just jump in with feedback or advice or we try to help people. We try to make them feel better when they're coming to us with a complaint or a concern or a question when really what they're wanting is simply to feel heard and understood, right? You're venting, you're complaining, and you just want someone to say, man, that's tough. Or, you know, then what happened? And ask a few questions and kind of get into it with you. That's validation. And it makes all the difference in the workplace, in your relationships at home, with your friends and family, because it helps us feel better connected to each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so then can you share, whether maybe it's in terms of a dramatic transformational relationship that went from poor to okay, or to okay, to grand, a nice upgrade, or even maybe some data, some studies. Can you share an illustration of just how powerful this is? Absolutely. You know, I talk early on in the book about research conducted by Dr. John Gottman. Uh, for your listeners who might not be aware of him or familiar with him, he's a world-renowned marriage and family therapist. And a number of years ago, he and his colleagues set out to determine what makes the healthy, happy couples of the world, um, you know, stay in a happy long relationship compared to those who separate or divorce. And, and I love the study they put together. They, they decorated their lab. I think it was the University of Washington. It looked like a, be a bed and breakfast. And they invited 130 newlywed couples in. And they said, you know, spend the weekend here. Just do what you normally do on a weekend. You know, cook, eat dinner, watch some TV, read the news, whatever it is, while we observe you, which I think is kind of creepy. But, you know, it's funny what people will do for money in science. And uh, as the observers watched, they noticed that throughout the day, these couples would make small, seemingly insignificant requests for connection. You know, they'd be sitting there at the table and the wife would look out the window and say, oh, honey, check out that car. And what they noticed is that the way the spouse could respond in that instance made all the difference in the connection that they had in their relationship. So in that particular instance, the wife notices the car and her husband could look out and respond in one of three ways. He could say, wow, that's awesome. I love that color, you know, positively, right? And, and that's validating, right? Matching her emotion, getting excited with her, stepping into it is validating. The second way he could respond is negatively, of course, saying, oh, I hate that. You know, that's the worst car in the world. Or the third way is simply passive, you know, just going, eh, that's nice, dear. You know, maybe not even looking up from his smartphone. Mm -hmm. And it seems simple, but when they went back, you know, they gathered all the data, they started analyzing it, and then they waited six years. And they followed up with these couples and they said, how are you doing? You know, are you still together? And if you are together, are you happily married still or have you separated? And what they found was the couples who had separated 
validated each other only 33% of the time. You know, whenever they would make a comment like that, their spouse would either be passive or even negative about it, but they wouldn't engage. They wouldn't connect with them. Whereas the couples that were happily married six years later validated each other 87% of the time. Mm-hmm. Like nearly nine times out of 10, those healthy, happy couples were meeting those bids or those requests for connection. And I thought that was interesting. You know, at that time in my life, I was in a relationship that wasn't going so well. And I realized, oh my gosh, it's because this woman isn't validating me. She's not connecting with me in this way. And I flipped the page on this article. And apparently Dr. Gottman and his colleagues can predict with up to 97% accuracy whether people will be together and happy or separated years down the line simply by observing these types of interactions. Mm -hmm. And so I love that study because it made a big difference for me personally in my romantic relationships, but I can tell you it's every bit as powerful in the workplace because work is relationships, business is relationships, right? Whether you're a manager, whether you have colleagues, whether you have clients or customers calling in, you're working with people, you're talking with people, and we want to feel connected and understood. And so validation is one of the most powerful ways to build that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there you have it. So then you've got a particular four-step method for doing the validation. Can you walk us through this? Absolutely. And I'll preface this by saying validation is simple. And so sometimes people look at four steps and they're like, well, what's this? You know, this seems complicated. Why do I have to do this? I reverse engineered this four-step method to try to help people apply it in some of the more difficult situations. Maybe we can talk later, Pete, about how to validate someone when they're angry with you or when you disagree with them, because I find that's where a lot of people get tripped up, but it actually makes all the difference in the world. If you can first hold your hold your defense for a moment, listen to them, validate them, and then get in to your side of the story. Mm-hmm. And so the four steps are first, listen empathically. Like really listen for the emotion that the person is sharing, not just the words they're saying. And then once you've identified how they're feeling, the second step is to validate, right? Just identifying their emotion and offering some justification. So again, if they're upset, saying, oh, of course you're upset. You know, you were up all night working on that and they just threw your work out the window. Yeah, that's validating. Mm-hmm. Then step three is where you give feedback or advice. So again, if you disagree with someone or if you have a suggestion, you can give advice, but it comes after the validation because that person, it allows that person to feel heard and understood first. And then the fourth and final step is to just validate again. It creates a nice little validation sandwich, you know, following up the conversation, whether it was a difficult conversation and you wrap it up and you just say, hey, thanks again for coming in and talk to me. I know these conversations are uncomfortable and yet we got to have them. And I really appreciate your your candor. Mm-hmm. Or if it's positive, you know, your, your friend's telling you about something awesome that happened at work the other day and you're all excited at the very end. You just say, hey, congrats again. You know, you worked your butt off on that presentation. I'm happy to hear it went well. It's that final step there to kind of tie it all together. So again, those four steps, listen empathically, validate the emotion, offer feedback or advice, and then validate again. And you can go through all those in 30 seconds, or you might do it several times in a two-hour conversation. But it gives you kind of a loose framework and a basic idea of, oh, yeah, hold back on the advice, listen, validate, and then get into it. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, so one of my favorite parts in your book were the demonstrations from like heavy relationship situations and then a, a toddler exchange. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so it was nice to show the breadth of it. But let's take a look. Let's say we're in the workplace and someone, well, hey, maybe I'll just take one of the roles and you take one of the others if that works for you. Great. Yeah. A little role play. Here we go. Hey, Pete, how's it going? 
Oh, it's fine. Fine? Just fine? Well, I was working on this process to get things automated and to be way more efficient whenever we're handling the widgets. And well, it just all went to heck. I mean, absolutely nothing works the way they say it's supposed to work. People have told me they're going to get me things and just straight up haven't gotten me the things. The software keeps crashing my computer. It's basically a total failure. Oh, geez, man. I'm sorry. How long were you working on that? Yeah, it's been about four months. <laughs> four months of work to have it just fall apart here at the last minute. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so frustrating. Yeah. I mean, what, what are you going to do? Like, do you think you can salvage it or is it going to get to throw it all out? Uh, I guess I'm just going to keep calling these people and um, until they finally give me the right answer. And hopefully that works eventually. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I hate it when you spend that much time and money on something and then it just falls apart, it's, you would hope that with a product that expensive, people have it figured out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Oh, man. Well, let me know if I can help in any way. Honestly, I, I don't know if I can offer much help, but I mean, I'm happy to if there's any way I can. Cool. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Well, so I saw the steps in action. Anything you would comment upon in that exchange? Yeah. I mean, obviously where it's kind of role play, we're both kind of you know, stumbling through it. But one of the most important things that I encourage people to do is ask a lot of discovery questions early on. You know, if you already know what's going on in the person's life and the situation, you don't have to ask a lot of questions. But if you don't, that's really important to make sure you're validating the right things and that you're actually understanding. You know, I've worked with some people who they they try to validate right away. And so somebody, you know, they just get right in and they're like, oh, that must be so angry. You, you must be so angry. And they're like, well, no, I'm not angry. I'm actually embarrassed, you know, and you kind of go through it. But mm. so I asked a couple questions, not a ton, but then pretty quickly I was matching your emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, I was trying to kind of reflect what I was seeing in you, which is, uh, yeah, of course you're upset. <laughs> you know, if you spent four months on that and that's, and I actually said as much, right? Of course you're upset because, mm-hmm. and I showed that justification and saying, yeah, it makes sense. You know, that's maddening to go through all of that. And that little piece is so powerful because oftentimes we as humans are taught to kind of bury our emotions. Yeah. You know, we're taught to not be upset. And sometimes we tell people as much. Like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm sure it'll work out. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't usually feel very good, right? You're like, well, I am upset. <laughs> like, I, you know, I'm looking for you to see that. And so that was that validation piece of me just saying, hey, that's really frustrating, you know, especially if this and that, you know, or you would think if they had all this time and money put into it, that they would have it figured out. Those are all validating statements because they are giving you permission to feel the frustration that you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Now, as you say, it, it sounds so simple and yet it feels a little rare. I don't know if you've got stats on this, but it seems like we're all hungry for this and we're not having our fill, <laughs> broadly speaking. Is that fair to say? A hundred percent. And I wish I had stats, Pete, but the stats that I can give you are just looking at the reviews of my book and the emails that I get, the hundreds of thousands of people that are that are saying, oh my goodness, this is what I've been missing. You know, And it's all over the board, right? You see people saying, I didn't realize it. This is what my spouse was asking for. Then, I, then you see people saying, if my partner had done this, we would still be together. Then I get emails from customer service managers saying, can you do a training on this? Because I listened to your book and I started implementing it and customers are a thousand percent happier, you know, whatever it is. But you're right. It's, it's so simple, but we are craving it. And that's one of the things that makes it a superpower mm-hmm. is we're all craving it. 
few of us recognize that that's what we're craving, but we do recognize that we're not getting it. And that's where a lot of relationships kind of hit this rocky point because, you know, you'll go and you'll talk to, you know, your boss and your boss, you know, maybe you'll express a concern or something. And if he or she just says, don't worry about it, I've got it. There you go. That doesn't like, you're like, okay, well, what do you say to your boss? Versus if your boss says, well, help me understand what's going on, you know, and they ask a few questions and they get into it. And if you're upset and they say, first off, thank you, you know, I can imagine how frustrating this is given all blah, 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 right? And you sit there and you go, yes, they get me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Well, so let's hear about wrong things to say. And I love in your book, you did this nicely. I, I remember a couple was struggling with infertility and then someone said, oh boy, yeah, I just look at my wife and she gets pregnant. And I, I've heard people say that before. Yeah. And of course, when you're reading it in the context of the book, you're like, wow, that is absolutely a horrific thing to say to a person in that context. And yet people say it because I don't think they're tuned in on this wavelength yet. So don't worry about I got it is another example of we're not going to get into your feelings this is already handled. So what are some other choice things you hear people say a lot that are kind of the opposite of validating? The invalidating statements. Yeah. I mean, it's things like, oh, you'll be fine. You know, it could be worse. Mm -hmm. Or at least it's not fill in the blank. You know, as as you listen or thinking or you're hearing these things, ask yourself, have you ever said this to someone? Mm -hmm. You know, because you're right, Pete. I mean, people say it all the time. Or we say, oh, don't worry. You know, things will just work out. You know, I... I've got a couple siblings who are still single and they desperately want to find their person. And I can't tell you how many times when they come to someone and I'm kind of a fly on the wall and they're like, how's dating going? I'm like, eh, not super well. And then almost immediately the response is, oh, I'm sure you'll find me eventually. You're a great catch. Or mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. It's going to work out. Yeah. And you can see the look on their face. They're like, I know that I'm not stupid. But I'm not enjoying life right now. You know, like it's kind of hard. Like I was looking for a little of that validation. Mm -hmm. Everybody means well. It's not like we're trying to be rude to people, but we think that's helping when in reality it's hurting. Yeah. And I think not that we have to go too deep into this, but one reason we don't do it is, is we're not aware. Two is we think we're helping. I think the third might be that for a segment of folks is like, we're just kind of uncomfortable getting into all that emotional stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Hey, if that's you, what do you do about that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, to that, I would say, and obviously everyone's different. The situations are different. I still hit moments when I'm like, I don't really want to talk about it. You know, like to most people like, so you obviously have to kind of judge the situation. But this is where I think validation becomes, again, such a valuable tool. Because one of the key reasons I believe people are uncomfortable in those situations is they don't know how to help. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially if it's a heavier You know, I remember talking to a friend whose parents passed away recently and unexpectedly. And prior to knowing how to validate, I would have been like, what do you say? Right. Like, like, really, what do you say? Because I haven't dealt with that. I'm not about to 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 think that I can give this amazing advice. But validation is so powerful because you don't have to say much of anything. You don't have to fix it. The fix, they're going to figure out. And so validation just gives them that space. And so when you talk with someone, you know, I, li- I like, Pete, your example, how you said, okay, well, ask me how I'm doing. And you just say, fine, mm. you know, because that, that happens a lot, you know, and usually it's when people kind of want to talk about something, but they're not quite sure you want to. So they'll just kind of say, I'm fine. And you can read their body language and then you get to decide whether you want to follow it deeper. But if you do, you can just ask questions. You can see how, how they're doing and you just ask questions and then you validate and you ask questions and you validate and you don't ever have to get into solutions you know, with my friend, I just said, oh my gosh, like, I can't even imagine. 
And I just sat there for a moment, you know, and I let her sit for a second. And she said, yeah, it's brutal. And I said, so, you know, how did you find out? And she explained it to me. And I just, you know, again, oh, and even just that response, oh, is validating. Mm -hmm. Didn't even have to use words there. Again, it's just showing respect. It's like, man, I see how you're feeling. You know, and we were able to kind of go through the conversation. I didn't give one bit of advice. Heaven knows she didn't want advice. She just wanted someone to kind of sit in it with her and feel it. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a little uncomfortable with these emotional situations, I do encourage you to try. Next time you have an opportunity, try it and try to just validate the person. Ask some questions, respond with the emotion that they can tell they're feeling. And to tie it off, you can just say again, like we did on the example, hey, I'm here for you. You know, if you ever want to just talk, let me know. Mm -hmm. And they'll usually say thanks and, and then you move on. Yeah, that's good. And how do you feel about the, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry? Because sometimes people hate that. Mm. And other times it seems completely appropriate. And like in, in which context? If like it's tragedy or like, let's say a divorce, a death, an illness, you say, oh, I'm so sorry. And they're like, I'm so tired of everyone saying that. You know, like, yeah. I don't know, where do you come out on this one? Well, yeah, again, it's very situation dependent. So in that situation, I mean, if they actually respond to like that to me, I'd be like, oh, hey, like, you know, I'm sorry. You know, how can I help? Right. I mean, it's difficult because you kind of have to roll with the punches a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking with someone just the other day about this. And while, yes, I put validation into a nice, clean four step framework. The reality is it's more of an art form than it is just a tight framework. It's not something you can just like pull out a sheet and go, OK, Michael says to say this and this and then you're going to feel better. And then we're going to ride off into the sunset. You know, it doesn't work like that. It's a skill. It's a tool which means we have to figure out how to kind of use it in the right situations. And so you're right. Certain people, they're going to respond to those, those I'm so sorry or whatever, and they're going to get defensive, especially if they're hurt, you know, or they're going to come back at you. And you can still use validation again, you know. So let's just say that you had said that to me, Pete. I would, you know, again, I'd say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, you know. And if they say, yeah, just everybody, everybody just says they're sorry, and I don't want to hear that. I want to move on. Then I might say, yeah, I don't blame you you know, this, this is a heavy situation. And then they might say, yeah, you know, da, 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 and we can keep going on. But you see how I was even able to validate their frustration at me mm -hmm. and just say, wow, okay, yeah, you know what? The more I think about it, I see how that was hard. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for that, you know, or whatever the right response would be. That's good. Well, I guess now I'm curious. So you said at the very beginning, you know, validation basically conveys, hey, I hear you, I understand what you're feeling and you're not crazy. I'm curious, like when folks are crazy, maybe either literally that we've got sort of a diagnosable situation mm, yeah. or they are blending their emotions with like the exact wrong answer. Like my boss is such a jerk. I'm going to march in there right now, slap him across the face and tell him in no uncertain, you know, whatever. I don't know. Right. Or it's like, I'm so worthless. The world would be better off without me. Like intense. Yeah. I'm sure the right answer is not, you know, you're right. <laughs> not the right move there. So in those trickier places where folks are saying something oh so wrong, mm -hmm. how do you think about validation? I'm so happy you bring this up. And I'm going to preface this by saying that the FBI uses validation in their hostage negotiations. It's a critical part. And if you think of high stakes situations, I mean, you got people in a building threatening to kill them and themselves. And so that's very much what you're saying, Pete. Like, you don't want to just say, yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, your life's not <laughs> worth living, right? You don't want to go there. Yeah. But that's not quite what validation is. And that's where the four-step method comes into play here. Again, first step is listening empathically. 
you know? So if you're, let's keep it with the coworker example, and they're really upset with their boss and they're about to march right in there and yell at them. Well, let's just say for a moment, we think that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if we just say, you can't do that, you know, you're going to get fired. How are they going to respond? Go ahead, fire me. I'm sick of this. This is horrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't care. Exactly, right? They're just going to push back and you can push back and they'll push back and you're not going to get anywhere. And so you have to first listen to them. Well, what happened? And they vent and they complain. And again, you can validate there. So you don't have to validate. You don't have to say, yes, go in and yell at them. But if he says, well, he called me out in front of everybody in that meeting, then you could say, seriously? Yeah. And I'm so, oh, I'm so angry because I worked my butt off all week. Well, yeah, like I'd be upset too, right? That's the validation piece. It's not, yeah, you should go in and yell at your boss. It's, well, of course you're upset given what just happened. And so you keep going through that conversation. You listen, you validate, you listen, you validate. When you can tell they've calmed down just a little bit, or maybe they're about to be marched right in the door, then that's when step three comes into play. And you say, well, well hold on one second. I do have a few thoughts on this. Do you mind if I share? Mm-hmm. Okay, now that, that intro, that transition to step three is big because it shows respect. If you just say, hold on, don't do it. It's a bad idea. Again, they might get defensive and start arguing with you. But if you first ask permission to share your thoughts, most people will say, fine, what? You know, what is it? What are your thoughts? And then you can say, maybe yelling at your boss isn't the best idea. You know, have you thought about this or have you thought about that? And what you'll find is if you've listened and validated first, they are a hundred times more likely to listen to your advice when you bring it up. Mm -hmm. So it all comes down to that order. And again, you see the same thing in situations where someone's angry at you. You see the same thing in the hostage negotiations. They don't say, sure, you know, kill yourself. Sure, ignite the bomb. They say, what's going on? You know, where, where are you coming? Where is this coming from? And they talk through, they listen, they validate, and they say, well, you know, can we just talk? Can we just talk face to face, right? And you can see how they kind of, the power of validation is to bring the emotion back down so that you can have a human to human conversation. Yeah. But, you know, I remember you talk about FBI hostage negotiation, and we had uh, Chris Voss on the podcast who uh, wrote an awesome book, uh, Never Split yeah. the Difference, and did FBI hostage negotiation. And I believe there's a story there in which they just kind of said the same thing and over and over again, kind of like, hey, it seems like you're scared that, you know, you're not going to be able to make it out of there. And uh, you're worried about what's going to happen to you and your family, like something along those lines, just like repeatedly. Yeah. And then hours later, she just kind of walks out. <laughs> right. And so it's wild how potent that is. And that's why I joke in the book, it's like a superpower. You know, early on when I started using this, I mean, I'm a, in my day job, I'm a manager of about 30 people. And, you know, I was a very young manager at the time when I wrote the book and I didn't know how to deal with certain situations. And as I started using validation, I mean, I had some pretty tense conversations, some people yelling at me, some really difficult things. I had made some mistakes, all of that. When I started using validation first, it was shocking at how it made everything easier and helped me mend relationships and helped me earn trust and respect. You know, I I had a a gal who once worked for me, left the company. Uh, A few years later, she was one of the beta readers, actually, of my book. And she actually called me up after she read it. And she said, I get it now. She said, I could never understand why I felt so comfortable talking to you. And I don't say this to pat myself on the back, right? But I say it to illustrate the power it has. She just said, I always felt so comfortable talking to you. And I couldn't figure out why. And now I get it. It's because you listened to me and you validated me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So it's powerful. That's good. I'm intrigued by when you made some mistakes, how might validation work in that context? Like, hey, I can understand to be really frustrating that this guy, namely you, <laughs> you <know, laughs> means you have to redo a bunch of things now. Exactly. Or, or, or how'd that go? 
Yeah, it really, it just comes down to ownership. And that takes humility. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. But if you did make a mistake, there's no sense in beating around the bush or making an excuse. That never looks good in work or just life, right? So mm-hmm. I've had, you know, in the times that I, that's happened to me, I'm trying to think of a concrete example, and I'm drawing a blank right now. But if we just go with the hypothetical, they come back and they say, what happened? You were supposed to, you told me you would have this yesterday. And I take a moment and I go, oh, shoot, <laughs> he's right. And I just say, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I dropped the ball on that. Uh, I'm going to figure it out. You know, and they say, well, I, you know, it threw off my whole presentation, blah, 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 blah. Again, there's a chance to validate. So they, they tell me how it affects them. And instead of saying, well, you shouldn't have, you should have followed up with me. You know, that's not, mm-hmm. doesn't look good. I own it again. I say, ah, I'm really sorry. You know, I, I overbooked myself. It sucks, you know, to be expecting something. I committed to it. I didn't deliver. You're right. How can I help? Mm-hmm. It's almost like a parry. But it's honest. And there's there's actually, in my opinion, great respect that comes from that and strength to just say, yep, I messed up. I'm going to figure out how to make it right. Mm-hmm. And in most instances, people will come down on their anger pretty quickly when they see you're not going to fight them. You just say, yep, I'm sorry. I see how that affects you. Let's figure out how to make it work. Yeah, that's good. Well, so then you use the phrase, hey, I have some thoughts. Do you mind if I share? Asking permission. Are there any key kind of words and phrases that you like and naturally show up a lot when you're validating or some key words and phrases to be banished? Yeah. So, I mean, when you get into the, the validating and such, right, we've talked a lot about that. Um, but if I may, Pete, let's take it into that step three where you're giving feedback because that makes a big difference. Well, one place a lot of people trip up, and again, this is going to sound so simple, but using the word but okay. can be quite dangerous, right? When, when you're connecting two sentences together. So if you try to validate someone, let's say they're angry at me, right? We'll stick with that example. And I say, you're right, I missed it, but it's really not that big of a deal. Well, that just undid everything, right? Like mm-hmm. I was going down the path, I was validating. And then I said, but, and that now puts up a red flag in most people. And they're like, but what? You know, what? Here's, here comes your counter argument. And I say, it's not that big of a deal. Well, whoosh. That's an invalidating statement. And they're like, what do you mean it's not big, a big of a deal? And away we go into that cycle. I'm a big fan of changing that word from but to and. Okay. Now, you still shouldn't say it's not that big of a deal. But let's say in that situation, I say, you're right. I committed to do that and I didn't. I'm sorry. And I wasn't the only one responsible for it. You know, can we talk about X, Y, and Z, you know, other ways, you know? So there's that and connection point is very powerful. And I get that feedback a lot from people saying, wow, I had no idea changing that one word. Because for some reason, we as humans, we really key in on that. And if someone's saying, you know, hey, I really like the example I use in the book is, I like what you've done with your hair, but we go, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but what, you know, there's something else versus I like what you've done with your hair. And I liked it better the other way. You still don't want to hear that, but at least it's a little easier to hold. Yeah. And so when you're giving feedback to your colleagues, when you're giving feedback to your your friends, or heck, even your boss, try to avoid the word but and just use and in there. And that actually makes a pretty big difference. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. And I'm curious if you just don't feel like you're relating in any way to their emotion in terms of like, I am mystified as to why you were so angry or so annoyed by this thing that really seems like nothing to me. Yeah. What do you do? (laughs) This is where it gets a little tricky because I get this question every now and then. I didn't address it in the book, but in the year since, I've really given it a lot of thought. I've paid a lot of attention to how I still validate in those situations. First off, 
I do encourage you to always try to find a way to empathize. Oftentimes, it's easy to just say, I don't care. I don't care about people. There's a lot of value that comes from learning to empathize with people, learning to identify emotions. That's a bit of a different topic, though. Um, if in the moment you're like, dude, like what's going on? <laughs> Why are you so upset about this? Again, ask some questions first. Don't just dismiss it out of hand and assume they're being crazy because most people, when you really get into the full picture, act quite rationally. But if you really feel like they're not, there is still value in, I don't want to say lip service, but in still kind of going through the motions and saying, yeah, yeah, it makes sense that you're angry. Of course you would be. Even if inside, I'm like, I don't really think so. But you know, it, it does make a difference still. Again, it's not where I recommend going first. Mm -hmm. Always prefer genuine empathy. But at very least, you can have some sympathy. And you can at least see the emotion they're feeling. And you can see that they're upset because such and so-and-so yelled at them. Mm -hmm. And that alone can still be valuable and still be helpful to them. Yeah, that's good. And I guess I'm also thinking about if you really enter into their world, as we say on a fishing trip, and someone was angry that another person had parked nearby our campsite and started fishing. And I actually don't care that much about the fishing on the trip. They're just great guys that like hanging with them and yeah. they go fishing. So I go with them. <laughs> <laughs> and so this, someone was getting kind of worked up about this. And I thought, what's it matter? Is a big old river? Like, But I think like, as I dove deeper into it in terms of what this person wants most is to catch big fish. It is rare they have the opportunity to go catch fish. And they perceive, rightly or wrongly, I don't actually know enough about fishing, <laughs> that that person's placement there is going to diminish that. Yeah. And that there are many other places he could choose from. Then I could understand, yeah, that would be irritating that that guy did that when he could just go somewhere else. Right. But it takes some doing for me to get there. <laughs> yeah. It does. And that's why, you know, there are times, again, going back, talking about how it's a tool doesn't mean you always have to use it. Mm -hmm. I am guilty almost every week of my wife and I'll get into a little argument or even just have a discussion. And if she gets upset about something, I want to jump to that. I want to jump to fix it. And I'm literally the guy that wrote the book on it, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, you know what? Let's just do this, do this, fix it, and we'll be done. And she's like, really? You're not going to validate me at all? And I'm like, ah, crap, you're right. You know, <laughs> like, but it's <laughs> there are times when you have to just kind of pick and choose. And there are times also when you might just jump in if we stick with your example there of that guy. If he comes up and he's yelling at you because he wants your spot, you might be like, dude, really? Like it's a it's a campsite, you know? And he's like, well, da, 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 da. <laughs> you can then choose to validate or you could choose to just dismiss it. If you paid for it, it's rightly yours. I mean, you can walk away, right? You don't have to engage with people who are upset or angry. Mm -hmm. But if you want to, it will work. Yeah. You know, nine times out of 10, 95, 99%, you know, I'm making up stats here, but most times it's amazing how you can calm someone down. And so if he's all upset, you say, um, yeah, yeah, like, I'm sorry, like we booked it. He said, I, I booked it too. Well, there must've been an issue with that. That's, that's really frustrating, right? If you came all the way down here expecting to see this, I get it. Let's go chat with, you know, the front office at the campsite or whatever, and let's see if we can figure it out. But just that little, yeah, that, if you expected all this and came down here, that's validating. And that can help yeah. tone it down just a little bit. Uh, I'll give you an, an example of, this was a few months ago now, but at work, a certain employee who is no longer with the company placed an order for 40,000 t-shirts that we didn't need. But he thought we needed them. He thought it was going to be awesome. Well, a few months later, I get a call from another guy on my team saying, hey, just so you know, t-shirts arrived. Uh, this other company who prepared them, they're expecting payment. I don't think we owe it to them because we didn't approve it. So don't worry, I'm handling it. But 
you just might hear about it. You might want to know. And I thought, well, hold on one second. You know, <laughs> can you send me the email thread? Can you, I want to make sure that we're being honest here. You know, if we said we're going to order them, we got to pay them. So he sends me the email thread and I see this back and forth. And it was, my guy was being quite invalidating, frankly. He was just very kind of traditional negotiation tactics, right? Hard line, no, not going to happen. And obviously that's not going to go well on the other end. And it was getting really heated. And so I actually took over the conversation and I reached out to the guy and I said, hey, uh, do you mind if we hop on a call? And his response was very curt, you know, yeah, this time, period. So in advance of the call, I did a little bit of research and I determined that we actually weren't on the hook for the t-shirts, but I still wanted to smooth things over, right? I still wanted to be, I still wanted to do right by them. So in advance of the call, I thought, okay, I'm going to come right into this. He's going to come in ready to fight. You know, he's bringing his A game. I'm just going to validate him. First thing. So I pick up my phone. I give him a call. He answers. And, you know, I say hello. But then before anything else, I say, hey, before we get in, I just want to apologize. Like this has obviously gone on far longer than either of us want, you know, and as I'm digging through, it looks messy. There's a lot of back and forth, you know, emotions are running high. I apologize for that. I'm hopeful that we can get on this call and just talk man to man and figure something out. And literally the shock was audible in his voice. <laughs> he literally stuttered on the other end. He was like, oh, uh, um, okay, <laughs> what do you have in mind? <laughs> you know? And we were able to chat, you know, and we talked through it and I explained my side, he explained his side and we reached a resolution that both parties felt good about. It didn't take long, right? But it had been going on for months, literally months, Pete, back and forth and, and tensions were running high. And in about five minutes, I was able to undo almost all that tension and find a resolution with just a little bit of listening and validating. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Well, Michael, tell me, any final key things you want to share about validation before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things? I think maybe the last thing I'll say on it is I, I think it's important to point out that when I talk about validation, we're not validating people's worth. Hmm. You know, that's one thing that sometimes validation gets a bad rap because people say, well, validate me, tell me I'm worthy, tell me I'm good enough. That's dangerous, right? We're not, I'm not talking about that. We're talking about validating emotions and situations that people are dealing with. And so if you have a coworker or if you have a family member or even a spouse who's constantly complaining, you know, or they're always just like, mm, I need more. I need you to tell me that I'm good enough. That's a separate conversation. You know, that's a place for boundaries. That's a place for having a conversation and saying, hey, you know, I care about you, you know, or you're my buddy. And again, there's that and instead of but. Mm. And this isn't working for me, you know, or I'm not sure how to help you because every time I give you advice, you know, it seems to go in one ear and out the other. So I think it's an important clarification because I never want people to think that I'm saying, well, just tell people what they want to hear. Just tell people that they're great and everything's going to work out. Again, validation being a tool, you use it with other tools and used well, it earns you respect. It helps you set boundaries. It helps you earn trust with those around you. And that is why it's such a powerful skill. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. Well, now could you share a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? The quote that I go to most often is action cures fear. Mm -hmm. I don't even know where it came from or who said it, but I stumbled across it years ago and I print it out and I stick it up in my offices uh, because it's just true. You know, if I find myself kind of getting paralyzed or I'm uncertain about something, just take action, any kind of action, even if it's just the first step and it unlocks that and allows you to move forward. Okay. And a favorite book? I love the compound effect mm -hmm. and the slight edge. They're both the same principle, two different authors, all about how small, simple things build up over time to great results. And that's been 
That's frankly how I got to write in the book in the first place. I committed to 15 minutes a day, at least. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it would snowball into hours and then the weekends on end. But 15 minutes, small, simple things got me to where I am today. Mm -hmm. And a favorite tool? If we're talking tech tools, I'm a big fan of a text expander. Oh, yeah. Uh, you type in a you know, shortcut or like a snippet. Like I type in C phone and it types out my full cell phone or P-mail. It's my personal email. Little things like that just save a ton of time. That and a clipboard manager. Mm -hmm. So I can copy a lot of things and paste a lot of different things. If you listeners don't use those, you should check them out. You know, what's the best clipboard manager for Mac? Do you happen in your opinion? I use copy M, like copy apostrophe E-M. Copy M, okay. It's the best one I found thus far. There's probably better ones, but it works well for my needs. Thank you. But if you do a lot of, yeah, form filling, I don't know, man, I, I use it all the time. I think it's an underappreciated or underutilized little tool. All right. And a favorite habit? Well, I spoke to this earlier on the compound effect, but it's just the simple little things every day. Mm -hmm. So if I have a goal in mind, I'm a big goal setter, I'll break it down to tiny little chunks that I can't not do five minutes a day, mm -hmm. 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, just to make sure I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And is there a particular nugget you share that seems to connect and resonate with folks? They quote it back to you a lot? Yeah, it was uh, that idea that when people vent or complain to us, they usually already have a solution in mind. They're not looking for advice. They're just looking to be heard and understood. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, as I go into the Kindle book and the most popular highlights, that's number one. It's that, hey, if someone's venting to you, chances are they don't actually want your advice. They just want you to hear them and they'll figure it out on their own. Mm -hmm. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, how'd you point them? My website's probably the best place to find me, michaelssorensen.com. You can contact me via contact form there and read a lot of my free content. Mm -hmm. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? The biggest thing that I've learned is at least what I appreciate most is people who really don't use the word can't. Mm. <laughs> you know, I guess we, it kind of comes full circle. We joke about my building my own mattress, you know, but I, I'm a big believer that you can do anything. And that, that's so, so trite, we say. I don't mean it in like, you can be an astronaut, though. You can be. But if you want something, you can figure it out. And it just depends on if you're willing to put in the time and the effort and the money. And so people on my team are at work who say, no, I can't do that. Can't do that. I hate it because it's so small-minded. Mm -hmm. You know, I much prefer to say, well, we probably could, but it would take the world. I'd rather say, what would it take? Yeah. You know, how could we do it? Even if it's wild and out there, just what would it take? How can we get there? My opinion, people bring that into the workplace, that can-do attitude that I'm going to figure it out no matter what it takes. That stands out to me. And I think that is what makes people very successful in life. Mm -hmm. Michael, this has been a treat. I wish you much luck with validating and being validated. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate the time. Great chatting. I really loved what Michael had to say about the word, but, and how we got to really watch out for that because it could invalidate the thing that you just said before you said the but. And it's so interesting. I saw a buddy of mine shared a text message exchange that they had with their landlord and they weren't too pleased because the landlord had put some pretty smelly and potentially toxic road ceiling chemicals on the driveway. And so that was sort of getting into the home. And so she was mentioning, hey, what's up with this? I see I'm having, <laughs> I feel kind of sick. And then the landlord's response was, I'm sorry that you're feeling ill, but the product is approved for residential use. And we've been doing this for years. And I just sort of struck me how, you know, that response is, it's not mean, it's not evil. It's not completely ridiculous and out of line. 
And yet, boy, when you have that butt right there, just invalidates. It's like, I don't actually care that you feel sick. <laughs> That's your problem and not ours. And it's that, wow. With conversations with Michael Sorensen and others who've enhanced our communications, I just could not imagine sending a message like that today. And yet, if I had not interviewed all these guests or in your case, listened to these episodes, I think you too might find yourself in such a position where you do communications that are fine, yet kind of suboptimal and invalidating without picking up on some of these subtle, finer points. So huge thanks to Michael for sharing that and more about validation. And again, those show notes, the transcripts, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP693. Hope to catch you next time. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no. No, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.